You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to Web Comedy. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everybody, welcome to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from metamen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk-Inc. It is Thursday, April the 17th, a gorgeous spring summer-like day here in Victoria, B.C. And we are rounding out our series on the 10 steps of search engine optimization with our uh, our final show, the 10th show in the, ep- in the uh, series of episodes, um, Keeping It Up. Dave, how you doing today? <laughs> Not too bad. How are you, Jim? I'm great. It's a gorgeous day. I have an amazing weekend planned, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a really good mood today. Well, you should be, although uh, I imagine you were tired. Uh, we, we seem to keep doing this to ourselves, and uh, I can't remember what time it was when I received the article, but you are, uh, again, one of the uh, hardest working uh, men in SEO journalism. Uh, I know well, it was, actually, uh, late in the to be evening, honest, Dave, I, I wrote that yesterday. I spent the entire day writing it. Um, I'm the, one of the laziest guys in SEO journalism these days, um, <laughs> as, uh, as some listening clients might attest. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I spent the day yesterday writing it, the, the keeping it up, sustaining search rankings and increasing website, increasing site conversions. And the fine folks over at Web Pro News have published that, along with the uh, nine other articles in the series, in their expert article section. And I guess we're going to be getting to that a little bit later in the show. We are indeed, but uh, but there's uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now, so maybe we should cover. Uh, there's a lot a of bit of that. stuff going on in the world, and actually, some of the most some of the most interesting stuff is going to be taking place uh, two and a half hours from now. In uh, 
in case people haven't been paying attention to Google, and I don't know why they why they wouldn't be, but um, today is Google's Q1 earnings conference call. So today is the day that Google reports its earnings and revenues over the first three months of uh, 2008. It's always an interesting day. What are you predicting? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I'm predicting that Google's going to be going to see increased revenues. Um, although, and, and even the Comscore report that came out yesterday uh, said that they saw increased clicks in March over March of 2007. So um, I suspect they'll do well. Um, I'm not sure where expectations on Wall Street are sitting right now. I imagine they're slightly lowered um, from the exuberance we saw last year. I don't think Google's going to disappoint the street. I really hope they don't. I'm uh, I'm a little concerned that if the street, if Wall Street and the, the investment community uh, sees Google as weak, they'll see our entire industry as weak. You know that's that's a valid point. Now Google's reports, as they come out, do have a, a significant reflection on uh, on our industry as a whole. Um, which is funny because when we look at, as, as you bring up, the, the Comscore numbers, um, we're seeing that search as a, as, a, as a mechanism for finding information is way up. Um, but if Google's earnings uh, don't meet expectations, you know, i.e., I don't know what it takes, if they don't show you know, triple-digit increases in revenue over the quarter before, um, that, that is somehow viewed as a, as a weakening of the industry as a whole. Um, however... You know, if we take a look, Google at the same time had a had a twelve percent increase over the month before in search volume. So, you know, is it is it really a weakening, or is it just you know the way it should have been all along, and they they've just been showing astronomical increases previously, uh, and now that it's a, a little more established and a little more stable, uh, their numbers are starting to stabilize and come more in line with um, you know the increases that they're attaining in search uh, search market. Um, they're they're able to make less adjustments to the actual way that say AdSense and, and AdWords are running uh, because they've pretty much got those perfected at this stage, so they're not able to, to eke out extra dollars there in the same way. Uh, and now they're they're starting to rely more on you know monopolizing and doing a great job of just taking more and more search market share uh, and relying on their increases in that area instead. Yeah, uh, to me, in a second, in a second, I think we're going to jump over to them taking another large segment of market share. But I, I want to get in here that. Watching Wall Street try to make sense of the contextual ad distribution programs that Google runs through AdWords and AdSense, and Yahoo runs through Yahoo Search Marketing is kind of silly because both networks have actually been growing repeatedly over and over again, quarter after quarter. They've shown positive growth. They just haven't shown the extraordinary volume of growth in, in a couple of quarters. Most quarters they show they show exactly what the street expects. Enormous growth. Um, recently, they uh, both Yahoo and Google have hit quarters where they haven't shown the extraordinary, insane, over-the-top, as Dave was phrasing it, triple-digit figures of growth, but they've still been growing. Um, some, sometimes sometimes it's a little bit maddening uh, watching, watching Wall Street trying to figure all this out, but it's going to be even funnier watching the FTC try to figure out the Google and, uh, well, well, yeah, who seems to be getting along very well with Google right now, um, showing, the, showing Google ads in their click stream as opposed to Yahoo ads. 
Um, that's kind of a funny story, eh, Dave? It, I think it's, it's great. I mean, you know, going back to like Sun Tzu and uh, and the art of war, and sort of the the enemy of my enemy is is suddenly my friend. Um, you know, if we if we look back not that far in history, um, Yahoo would would have done anything to stay as far away from Google as humanly possible. But I have a hunch that you know, I'm sure you would agree um, that this push by Microsoft uh, is is certainly starting to influence some of uh, some of Yahoo's decisions. Um, but I mean, a good call. The FTC has got a. It, it'll be an interesting to watch them deal with it because, of course, at one point, not you know, in the in the world of the internet, eons ago, but in the world of you know, in in the real world, like when I chart it based on my kids' age, for example, not that long ago, they were feeding Google that. So it's almost like a, a step back. Uh, but yeah, the FTC is definitely going to be looking at this uh, slightly differently, and I mean, this just gives Google. Essentially, you know, I won't. Well, I will use the word monopoly <laughs> um, on advertising. Not a not a total and unequivocal one, but it's certainly a, a, an extremely dominant position um, in 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 the paid paid advertising and paid search marketplaces. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, you make a great call. The FTC has just got to look at that and go. There's something something awry here. Um, well, I, what are your I can almost guarantee if the FTC doesn't look at it on their own volition, Microsoft will have them looking at it. Um, to, to quote the first paragraph of an article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal about an hour and a half ago, Yahoo Incorporated moved closer to outsourcing its search advertising to Google Incorporated after, initial, after an initial test of the system to yield what the two firms deemed positive results, people familiar with the matter said. Now, what this means is Google... Uh, Yahoo has been has been sh- showing Google ads on what's estimated to be about three percent of its search results over the last week or so. This was this is all part of the um, micro who debacle in which Microsoft is trying to acquire Yahoo. Uh, Yahoo is um, weaving in a bobbin and you know acting like a tired prize fighter trying to avoid Microsoft. And this is another another uh, weave in there in their attempts to uh, avoid the takeover. But again, the, the Trade Commission just, they can't take this one sitting down. That's nine, that will give Google over 90% of the online ad market. It will, and at the same time, though, I do have to kind of, in, in, in the way that I can, I can feel for any multi-billion dollar corporation, um, but I do have to feel for Yahoo, because of course what they're trying to do is show their shareholders, hey, look, here are some revenue streams, here are some ways that we can increase our revenue. You don't have to do this buyout. Uh, um, you know, in, in essentially an entirely legitimate way, um, and you know, the FTC does have to look at that and go, we can't give give that kind of market share to any one one corporation. So, um, it, it'll be very interesting to see from Yahoo's perspective. They're trying to just do what's in the best interest of their shareholders, as they're legally obligated to do. Um, the FTC may have to step in and say, not any fault of Yahoo's, but we can't let Google have that kind of that kind of market share. So. Um, you know, Microsoft will be watching this, and, and I think the FTC is probably, for, for, for the first time, and in, in many ironic ways, uh, probably Microsoft's best friend right now. <laughs> you don't see that very often, eh? <laughs> you, you sure don't. It's like, it's like Yahoo needs the bad publicity, uh, but they got a little bit more bad publicity uh, earlier today. Um, Dave Utter over at uh, Web Pro News is reporting that Yahoo was stopped with a million-dollar click fraud Click fraud suit stemming from, well, actually stemming from a company they acquired that actually started the pay-per-click system overture. 
Um, people unfamiliar with the history, back in 2002, uh, Yahoo purchased an up-and-coming company called Overture that had uh, revolutionized paid ad placement. Um, they became Yahoo Search Marketing, um, but they, they operated as Overture for quite a while, and in 2003, they sold a number of ads to a company called BigReds.com. Um, Big Reds, according to Dave Utter and court documents he's interpreting, believes a lucrative affiliate program run by Overture led to alleged click fraud, with affiliates earning up to 12% of 12% on commission per click, which was often at $3 or so per click. Um, Big Reds is suing Yahoo for a million dollars. Now, in the world of major search engines, multi-billion dollar businesses, a million dollars isn't a heck of a lot of money. But for a lot of small to medium business advertisers, a million dollars is an enormous sum of money. Mm-hmm. And when click, well, click fraud used to be a much larger concern than it is now. Um, the the ad networks have gone a huge way in cleaning up the click fraud problem, although they still make a number of mistakes leading to invalid click charges. Um, which, incidentally, Dave, maybe one of the reasons why. Uh, their, their revenues were seen to decline slightly over a couple of quarters. Um, they've actually gotten a handle on click fraud. <laughs> so, right now, yeah, yeah they're getting sued. They're going to be, they're going to be um, challenged at every corner by the FTC in the coming in the, the, the coming weeks. And it still looks like they're going to be acquired by Microsoft. Now, what is your feeling on this from the perspective down the road? Um, and what do you think Microsoft, like, will Microsoft then have to absorb these kind of lawsuits as they, as they come? And if this lawsuit is actually won and, and Yahoo needs to or, or is found to have to pay this back, um, I mean, this has just got to open, open the door uh, well, actually, for other people to come in you know, years later. That hadn't occurred to me. A state of lawsuits during, the ti- during a time of such confusion. Um, Possibly, I think I think this is somebody who um, probably has a legitimate complaint to some degree or another. Big Reds likely has a legitimate complaint to some degree or another. I admit I haven't read the court documents. I haven't seen any of the evidence. We do know that in uh, the early part of the the early part of the the the, the pay per click environment that there was a, gr- a great deal of uh, click shenanigans going on, not necessarily on the part of the networks, although. The networks didn't have the handle they have on the issue, on the problem they do today, so we know the problem existed back then. Um, will we see other stuff come out of the woodwork? It really, I mean, I think the Lane's gift and collectibles case scared off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. All the effort that went into it for such a low settlement for the litigants. The, the lawyers got a great settlement, but the litigant, litigants themselves they didn't really. Um, I think that scared a lot of people off from the, the going the class action route. Um, but we'll see. If this is a successful case, maybe we'll see more come out of the woodwork. And if it's dragged out the way that I, I expect Yahoo's lawyers will drag it out, um, I think it would be very scary. I think you're right. I think you're right. And you know what? I could talk about this one with you because I know uh, I know click fraud's an area you've, you've chatted about uh, at great length. Um, but you know what? You, you wrote an awesome article, and I don't want to eat up all of our time talking about click fraud. Uh, because uh, I know a lot of our listeners are probably uh, very interested in hearing about, uh, you know, uh, keeping it up and, and the uh, Pfizer of, uh, of SEL. <laughs> um, we should get to that, and we should, um, 
Dave was mentioning the article that rounds out our series, our 10-part series here on Webcology and companion pieces being published in the expert article section over at WebPro News. And we should get to that, but we really have to pay some bills first. We should cut to break, come back with uh, a little bit of discussion on the um, keeping it up, sustaining rankings, and increasing conversions article. And then we have a special guest rounding out the show, one of the guys who helped start off the series, Ross Dunn from Stuff Forth Placement. But before we get to that, this is Jim Hedger from MetaMen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Dash Inc. You're listening to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. <laughs> We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Don't be fooled by your web analytics. If you think your web analytics are giving you all the information needed to manage your paid search accounts, you'd be shocked to see what they're not telling you. How are you tracking sales received over the phone that resulted from your PTC ads? Now, you can track call-in sales by campaign, search engine, and keyword with engine-ready call analytics. Optimize top spending keywords with more accurate tracking and achieve higher PPC profitability. Get started now tracking your PPC call-in sales with engine-ready call analytics. Visit engineready.com to see how easy and inexpensive accurate call-in tracking can be. Engineready.com. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted FastClick, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BanazRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with Value Click Media. I've got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. Details. Value Click Media. Stand by. This is a Life Tips Quick Tip. If you're like me, you're sitting on a mountain of frequent flyer miles. Instead of letting them get moldy, donate your miles to green charities. Lufthansa Airlines allows members to donate points to Living Lakes, an international network that aims to preserve waterways for future generations. Continental Airlines allows members to donate miles to AmeriCares, a humanitarian organization that provides medical care to those devastated by natural or man-made disasters. And America West Airlines frequent flyer miles can be donated to Miles of Hope, which transports volunteers to disaster relief. So stop sitting on those miles and put them to some good use. Listen for more quick tips every day right here. And listen to Life Tips Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Find the WebmasterRadio.fm Web 2.0 watering hole and have a drink on us. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Find us now on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. 
commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from metamen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk-Inc. And um, welcome back to the chaos that is live radio. <laughs> so, Dave, I guess you're going to be interviewing me for a few minutes before we bring it over to our good friend Ross Dunn. I am indeed. Um, yeah, well, you know what? I'm just going to jump in here. That was a, an awesome piece and, of course, a, a very important subject. He has put in, you know, how many months of work to get your site ranking. Um, you know, now you have to put in those efforts to, uh, as, as you so eloquently put it, keep it up. Um, maybe you want to take us through the process that, uh, that the fine folks at MetaMend go through. Uh, and and uh, then we can get into a, a discussion over uh, you know maybe some of the differences and, and bring in Ross as well to to discuss some of the the different ways that uh, the different companies uh, might might approach it. Well, certainly, and it's um it's kind of a long process, and I I, I want to stress that this is a very general overview. Every website and web promotion campaign is different. Every client has different technologies and different needs. Um, and often different strategies used to, to get the website ranked. So what I'm going to be going through, again, is this amazingly general. Um, what I tried to write in the WebPro News article was um, a roundout on, on what the long-term SEO process is all about. Many people believe, well, they used to believe that after the changes are done to the site, the new title tags are inserted, the meta descriptions have been worked on, new content is up there, and link building has, has been underway, and the site is, is uploaded to the server, many people believe that the SEO process stopped there. In reality, that's when the long-term work begins. Now, one of the things I think has always confused clients about the search engine optimization process is the huge upfront fee and then uh, structured monthly payments afterwards. And I don't think, you know, I remember when, um, actually when you and I were both working with Stepforth, we had clients who were often confused about this, um, wondering what the maintenance part of the package was all about. And that's what I tried to outline in the um, step 10 of 10, keeping it up section, what we do to you know, earn that monthly maintenance fee. So the first thing, um, I, try, I structured the article uh, day one, week one, and then post first week. So the very first thing you do after you upload a site is you do a total idiot check, or I call it a dough check. Um, what we do is we have our head SEO, uh, Jade Carter, the, the person who signs off on all sites at that the SEO staff work on, he goes through everything on the website, every link, every, uh, every page, all the new content. He makes sure that everything is working properly. You can't do this kind of testing until the site, the optimized site, is posted back to the host server live. Um, you can do limited testing, but really, you have to be, and the site has to be live to the web. Yeah. Time is of the essence, because the moment we repost a site, we expect spidering fairly rapidly. So we, we have to make sure that everything is working and working and working properly. I'm just going to try to turn off the ringer on my other phone line here. Just a moment, please. Yeah, the chaos of live radio. Okay. 
I get to do the show from home today because they reorganized the office up at MetaMend, and I can't guarantee a connection from the boardroom right now. So I get to do it from home with even more home chaos. Anyway, so we do the idiot check. We make sure that everything is working on the site. You check through site structure. You um, check on the planning and the continuance of link building efforts, um, making sure that optimized content files appear on the page as they're supposed to appear making sure the on-page layout is attractive and compelling to visitors, um, looking into social media, paid marketing campaigns, etc. After now, what, uh, if I can jump in here and just ask a quick question. When you're doing uh, these checks, especially on the internal linking, because, of course, that's, that's a huge one when you post up a new site, making sure that all the links on the site itself are working, are there some tools that, uh, that you use that are you know, maybe generally available to, uh, to our listeners? Um, to find these, do you use Zenu to find them, or, or, or are there some other tools you found to be better? Well, the very best tool when you're doing the very final idiot check, the very best tool is your mouse and uh, the left mouse button, clicking through and manually checking. Now, that's not possible with some websites. Some websites are database sites that need never-ending database site. And there, Zenu is a great, uh, is, is a great tool. X-E-N-U, I think it's xenu.org. Um, and that's a, that's a link uh, verification tool. We'll show all internal and external links if they're working. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, Xenu is actually um, checking the strength of the links by giving a, a page rank update. They do now, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we would, uh, but again, um, when doing... We work in a professional environment, and getting a website from desk to server, especially a large corporate website, is actually it's often more complicated than one might think. Um, often with, with large corporations, the SEO team isn't allowed to touch the host server, so we have to send it to their techies and have their web team upload it, or we haven't been able to do any hands-on work. We've just sent over recommendations, and we wait for those recommendations to be implemented. So when you're doing the very final check before signing off on a site saying, yes, this site has been optimized and, it's, and it is ready to go, it has to be done by hand and it has to be, you have to take a very good, sharp look at it. And it's, it's, again, this is a professional environment. Mistakes aren't allowed to creep past the, the head SEO's desk. So what do you do at, uh, in these types of environments? Now, what are you looking at as far as reaction time? Like, let's say you, you post this up, you're having to deal with other developers who are actually putting this information to the servers. What are we dealing with with reaction time? Are there certain agreements that you put in place with these other developers to ensure uh, that if problems are found, you know, you're not finding out sort of a, a week later or things aren't being reacted to a week later and getting a bunch of phone calls from mad, uh, mad CEOs of corporations. Well, I, I imagine a, a number of SEO firms face problems like that. Um, at MetaMend, we tend to get a SEO champion in any of the companies we work for, somebody who we put a lot of effort into teaching about the process, educating on the process. And they rep if we're unable to represent ourselves to whichever work group or task group in the corporation we need to represent ourselves to, we have the SEO champion do it. And that's, that's, I think that's a, a, a smart development because um, previously we had to work with the tech department or the marketing department to um, get one of those to represent our needs to the other. 
Um, and that, that was always a hit-and-miss sort of situation. Now, now we have an SEO champion in every organization we work with. And so they represent our, our needs, and they represent them in the, in the language and culture of the company we're working for. So our turnaround time has actually decreased substantially, but sometimes, I mean, when you're working with large companies, these are, these are large bureaucratic organizations. Um, sometimes it can take a day, sometimes it can take a week, and I've heard some SEOs, including some big-name SEOs, complain that it sometimes takes months to get their larger clients to take action on their recommendations. Now, okay, so the site's up. Let's, let's assume we're, we've skipped past this because I know we've, uh, we've got Ross on the line, so I want to get through and, and get to some, some interesting questions and, and maybe a, a bit of a group discussion. Now, when this, let's say it's up, it's all posted, which, uh, you know, and, and you've taken us through some, some great processes there. The work's done, right? Like, uh, like that's it. Well, uh, the upfront work's done, but now there's a hell of a lot of back-end work to do. In the... Uh, the, the, the pure object of SEO is to get high rankings in the, the, the hopes that that will drive more website traffic. But the practice of SEO is actually much larger than just getting rankings. High rankings are one thing, but rankings that don't convert are pretty useless to our clients. Now, our clients hire us um, because they need to improve their businesses. They want to make money. They want to hire more people, improve their communities, improve their lives, all the good stuff. We can get them great rankings, but, but we're the web experts. We're the ones who, who look at thousands of websites in a single month. If anyone's going to know how to design or, or prompt web visitors to take specific actions, it should be the SEO community, the search engine marketing community. So as soon as the website's up, we start getting the analytics in, in, uh, in order. Now, again, ranking is one thing. That's, 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 uh, that's, that's, that's obviously critically important. You get a heck of a lot more traffic from page one than you do from two, three, pages two, three, four, or five. So what, the first thing we start looking for is where pages in the site we've worked on start, start ranking. And you can see those occur fairly quickly now. Um, Anything you see on page two, three, four, or five, you know there's room for improvement. Um, all analytics packages need to be trained. Um, they, they're, not fr they're very rarely fresh out of the box solutions. You have to tell analytics packages, Inquisit Pro, ClickTracks, even Google Analytics or Index Tools, what you're looking for. Um, and so we take the first week when stats are, you know, when, when data is accumulating and the stats aren't as full as we'd want them to be. We take the first few weeks to actually train our analytics, our first week, I should say, to train our analytics programs to give us the information we're looking for to help the client improve their site. So that's what we do for the first week. And, you know, that's actually quite a bit of work. You're, you're doing a, a lot of well-educated guesswork, and then um, as time goes on, the analytics start to, to flush out the real information for you. Um, in the second week on to the end of the campaign, you're working on... Uh, re-optimizing content, improving pages that are falling on the second, third, or fourth page in uh, search results. Um, you're working on your pay-per-click, your pay-per-click advertising campaigns, any social media marketing efforts that you have going. And this kind of work is ongoing through the life of the contract. Um, often we advise clients to start doing a daily blog, but really, how often 
do our clients have time or often the, the, the writing skills to create a daily blog? Quite frequently, the SEO company um, either works on blog posts for their clients or outsources those blog posts for their clients. The point being, you now have I, to manage the client's campaign over time. Now, I've got to jump in here and, and go just back uh, about a minute in our conversation. Uh, and I'm going to direct this to, to both. I believe we have, we have Ross on the line here, but I'm going to get your answer to this first, Jim. And it's going to be a, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but uh, I'm hoping for a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of delving into it a little bit deeper. Um, we, all, we all work for, for SEO companies. This is, this is search engine optimization. Um, really, what, what does this have to isn't Doesn't this end? You get the rankings. It, shouldn't that be where it ends? Um, you know, what, what are we doing involved with, uh, you know, delving in deeper and, and figuring out, uh, you know, click-through rates and, and stuff like that? And, and I do have a, another question, but I'd like to get your guys' take on, on that first. Well, um, my take is, is really simple. We haven't, we haven't been pure search engine optimization companies for years. Back uh, before the advent of pay-per-click, we might have been a pure search engine optimization company just striving to get good rankings. But the industry has evolved past that. We, we are search marketing agencies. Our clients pay us good money, money that they've worked hard to earn to improve their businesses. Um, we have our hands on the pulse of their businesses, or at least on the pulse of their website businesses. Um, we owe it to our clients not just to get them good rankings, but to steer them towards stronger conversions. Do you have, any, do you have anything to add to that, Ross? Yeah, I find that it, it, I mean, most cases, I mean, that's the ideal situation. Uh, I'm afraid uh, some of the small businesses, uh, you know, they only have a limited budget. So once they get their ranking, we have to offer something that's going to keep them up there. But as, you know, so what we do essentially is we, in, in those circumstances, let's just look at them for a second, we would actually create a package where we go, okay, you got the ranking, great, we've done the hard work. Now let's look at how to keep you up there but not involve us as much. I mean, that's the realism of it. A lot of small businesses just don't have the money to pay per month, or at least not very much. So we would provide them with a plan to how to maintain their blog, the best practices for doing it. Um, you're right, the blog is important. Now, not everyone can do that, but you know, we're living in a society where, or at least the Internet, where their competition is. So if they really want to keep up with the Joneses, they're going to have to do something. And, uh, and that's a whole other topic. How do you make a blog and make it work? Um, but it is very important that they have something that keeps their website fresh and also that they keep tuned in on any changes they make to their site so that any optimizations they've, they've worked, that we've done so much work to get their rankings, all those optimizations are maintained. So that's the small business. When you go to medium and large, definitely, yeah, we want to maintain everything. We want to make sure that their, their site has uh, some social media aspects to it, like we actually if they've got a particular piece of content that got the rankings, we can actually start to boost that traffic, maintain it by putting notes out on um, Twitter, on uh, many of the other social media platforms like uh, Heck Dig. You could dig an article, get someone to dig an article for you if they like it, and it starts to become viral. That also helps build the relevance to the page and maintain rankings, if not improve them, or at least solidify them. Now, Jim, you touched on, and I'm actually going to direct this question at, uh, at Ross first, because I know this is an area of, of great study of yours. Um, there's, there's sort of two sides, and, and Jim, you touched on it, and, and thanks for doing so, on taking this time afterwards to, to really gather some stats, see where you are, figure out where the improvements can come in. 
Um, at that point, we have sort of two aspects to take a look at. There's increasing your click-through rates, either through better rankings or through manipulation of how your, I'll, I'll refer to it as an ad, but how your search result appears in the, in, in the top ten, and conversion increases. Um, Ross, which one would you start to address first? Which is going to be easier to address? Um, and what are the risks? Uh, you know, I know with, with trying to increase click-through rates, you might have to work on the titles and descriptions. Is there a risk to SEO in that? Uh, and how would you measure this? Hmm. Good question. So if I'm looking at uh, organic ranking, and that's what you're speaking of, right? Um, yeah. We would, we, would, we would look at, first of all, okay, let's say they've got a number one, but they're not getting the traffic they think they should be getting. They've got number one. They've got this, this title. Perhaps we need to tweak it. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily, unless they've really got a lot of talent in-house, I wouldn't recommend that they do too much tweaking without the assist of their SEO. But, um, yeah, generally we are okay. I mean, we can make minor changes to titles. We can, we can help them convert um, that traffic to their site. And then at that point, we use analytics to monitor how that goes through the funnel to their ultimate conversion point. Uh, on the uh, organics, though, I mean, these days, a lot of it's the relevance, the, the, the hype of links coming into that page or to the site that's keeping the ranking there once the basic SEO is done. So, um, you know, minor tweaks really aren't a big issue. Uh, it was a big question. I hope I got at least a good chunk of it. Well, be, feel free to remind me the other part that I might missing. <laughs> you know, you okay. answered that perfectly. Um, Jim, how, how does, uh, does MetaMend approach that same problem? Well, the approach I'm going to suggest is probably one that is taken by most SEO houses, including Stepforth. That's why I'll that's make sure that I don't cover ground that Ross covered as well. Um, so adding to what Ross said, um, what I might do is take a look. I might, I might here, here's the plug you've been waiting for, friend. Um, I might go to Mark Johnson, our keyword research guy. He's been IMing me saying, how come you haven't mentioned my name yet? So I just did, Mark. Um, <laughs> 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 I'd go to I'd go to our keyword research guy, and I'd try to I'd try to determine if we were really targeting the right keyword phrases for underperforming pages. That'd be one of the th one of the avenues I'd explore. Maybe we're targeting the wrong page. Another thing I'd want to look into is what different local markets are doing. Um, as you know, anyone who's been using Google Universal or Google Person I'm sorry, Google Personalized Search Search will know search results are different from person to person, region to region, city to city. Etc. Um, I might be selling blue widgets across the United States, but a certain description of blue widgets works better in New York than in Los Angeles. And I know this. I, and a different description of blue widgets works well in Los Angeles than in New York. So I'd get, I'd, I'd start going hyper analytical. I'd start looking at the local markets themselves, see if there's a way I could improve performance of the specific page in the New York market and then maybe create a slightly different page on the same topic keyed towards the Los Angeles market. Now, I'm not talking about making landing pages or, or cruddy little mini sites. I'm, I'm, not discuss I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about marketing to uh, your key markets and, and, and communicating directly with your key markets. And you can get a lot of great information um, out, of, out of the analytics package now. I know that both ClickTracks and Inquisit Pro will bring you right into like city level, telling you where you're ranking in relation to local search uh, around the world. Um, so we got keyword research. We got looking at the, looking at your different markets, and then of course you look at the pages themselves. 
um, maybe there is a better meta description that will attract more more clients, thus getting more click-throughs. So, I mean, there's a number of things that we can look at. Now, we touched on, on analytics there, which is awesome. Ross, I know analytics is a, a huge area uh, for Stepforth and, and that you guys delve, and you personally, uh, really deeply in there. Um, what are your thoughts, and, and how, how do you use analytics once a campaign's over? Well, yeah, thank you. I, listen to, to Jim there. There's one thing I just want to make sure that the, the audience understands is that using the word landing pages is definitely not a swear word, swear word when it comes to organics. There's nothing wrong with them as long as the pages have unique content, and they're generally and genuinely meant for a different uh, demographic. Now, absolutely. in that regard, absolutely. you can use... Sorry? No, absolutely. I just want to get all hiled here, eh? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we could use the landing page actually using Google Optimizer. Um, if anyone's familiar with that, that's you know what we can use to do A-B split testing. So we can actually do these changes on the page and calculate just how much better conversions occur, you know, based on a new title, adding a new image, whatever you'd like. Uh, organic rankings can work really, really well using that kind of system. Uh, we could have, like, like Jim said, you could have one from San Francisco or whatever city, and that targets that specific person, and that can get a good ranking quite easily, especially if it's very specific, because then you can have San Francisco, um, Taylor, or whatever you want. That goes to that page and talks about uh, this popular tailor in San Francisco and these suits they like to make, and perhaps there's a high fashion in San Francisco at that time, or, or whatever it is that's really a... Uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> running out of words. But essentially, the page would have everything, quote-unquote, pardon the pun, tailored to that information. And uh, using uh, Google Optimizer, we can do a lot. And, and, and using the funnel, Google Analytics, first of all, awesome. I, I used to not be all that sure about it. I've got, I'm out in the record there saying, I don't know, Google's got enough info as it is, but frankly, it's free. It really works well. I've been suckered. I'm pulled in. I love it. Uh, so with that information, using Google Optimizer, all these amazing tools that are free, uh, uh, we can actually do quite a bit for a client. And, and uh, frankly, analytics has become a core issue, especially in the, this competitive marketplace. You know, Dave, to add to that, um, I, think, I think people used to see SEO as a very front-heavy process where the, the, the bulk of the work was always done in the first month, and then you just, you know, just sort of trailed off into these, these nebulous maintenance contracts. In reality, um, while well, a lot of the heavy lifting is done in the first few weeks or the first month of a contract, there's an enormous amount of work that gets carried out in the background. Often the client doesn't even know the work is being done, but it's all being done um, to, to meet our, our contractual obligations and to you know, push their businesses higher. Now, you, you just touched on a really important one, and that is work that the client doesn't know is being done. Uh, and on that, and, and I'm almost waiting for a segue, and this is a perfect one, uh, link building. Uh, this is something we haven't really touched on here, and, of course, it's, it's critically important in the keeping it up section. Now, of course, the amount of link building and the types is going to vary from client to client. Ross, earlier you touched on sort of the lower budget clients. Well, they're not going to be able to afford you know, massive uh, you know, link building and certainly not massive sustained link building campaigns probably don't need it because they're probably in lower competition sectors. Um, Jim, you, you've also touched on link building. How important is it to maintain link building after if you've got, say, 500 more links than your competitor, can you, can you rest on your laurels? Uh, 
Um, I personally am a little paranoid by, by some of Google's patents to take a look at uh, or, or refer to acquisition rates of links, and that if your links start to stale, that's gonna, that may or may not play against you. What are your guys' takes on it, and what do you recommend to your clients? Well, Ross, you want to uh, go first? <laughs> yeah, well, when it comes to links, frankly, you know, you've got directory links. You've got uh, uh, different ways of building links through um, submitting articles through article directories like designarticles.com. There's, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, the old style of creating links through reciprocals, uh, you know, paid links, those are dangerously, sometimes they work. They still are working in some cases, but the fact of the matter is, uh, I prefer to build all my links through articles and content. So, no, I would never rest on my laurels. I'd, I'd always have articles going out there. First of all, they drive great traffic alone, never mind the fact they mm-hmm. also generate links to you. Um, I, don't, I can't count how many people just, uh, it amazes me that, that, that see an article and just go, wow, I'm going to post this to my site or at least link to it. And it's just, it's actually kind of cool. I look at it every day and go, wow, this person linked to me. I had no idea the name existed. <laughs> and then I see their <laughs> stuff and I get interested in theirs. It, it's really um, a great uh, exchange. And, you know, when a client doesn't have a blog, though, I mean, I've got to address that because, of course, that happens quite often. Um, they, have to, they have to go and create partnerships with other websites that may be complementary to theirs. They have to uh, get out there and also, uh, you know, use press releases, use PR web, get out there and publish all their, their greatest uh, achievements as they hit. Uh, you can have your own feed of uh, RSS feed that you can uh, syndicate across various aggregators that has info on these achievements. There's different ways you can actually get multiple links from pieces of news. So, yeah, you've got to keep up on that, and, and that's definitely part of the plan we recommend to all clients. Now, to, to add to that, um, as Ross said, buying links and recipient links can be dangerous. I'm not necessarily against reciprocal links, so I am against reciprocal linking campaigns. Um, uh, a Ford dealership uh, links to a uh, local auto body shop, and the auto body shop links back to the Ford dealership. I think that's that's totally, totally legit. It's when the Ford dealership links to the flower shop, and the flower shop links to the Ford dealership that you have that you have reciprocal linking issues. Um, and purchase links are always very dangerous. My my, I guess my best piece of advice is watch for patterns. If you're on a link acquisition campaign, be it through article, um, through through uh, article marketing, uh, getting people writing articles and having them link back because of those articles, um, blogging, uh, allied sources, or you hire a company to go out and build links for you, make sure that you are showing the search engines a steady pattern because it's it's. Anomalies in the pattern of link acquisition that will set triggers off. Okay. I want to see if you don't mind, I'd like to add one more thing, and that's uh, about neighborhoods. Um, you know, a lot of these, these totally. links out there, you can definitely do these reciprocal exchanges. I mean, I, they actually work quite well for a few of our clients. Uh, they just tend to be disqualified a little bit. They're certainly not as powerful as a person just, just giving you a link, especially if they're coming from a good neighborhood. Now, how do you determine what a good neighborhood is? Uh, frankly, there are times when I find it a little difficult, but most of the time, it's obvious. You look at the site. Let's say uh, we take the rather nefarious page rank. If it's a seven or an eight or a, even a six, generally a, a good indication the site has some some power to it. 
And, you know, look at who they're linking to, too, uh, and look at who's perhaps, if it's a writing site, who's writing on their website, or if it's a, a complimentary site to your own, um, how big is the site? Just, just look at it, get a feel for it. If, if you get sort of, I don't know about it, just move off, try another one, put it on a lower tier and look at it later on, because getting these links can be big help. Now, um, Stuart Van Ack, our um, SEO in-house here, is actually just doing a Google optimization article, how to optimize for Google, and it's just, we're actually just releasing it. And it does talk about neighborhoods and, and other versions, uh, other elements of getting top rankings in Google. And, you know, it's, it's a quite a process. And, and I, I definitely uh, recommend if you want to check it out to check out our, our blog today and yeah, when you, tomorrow. When are you guys publishing that, Ross? Um, you know what? I have a hunch we're going to publish at least part of it, the, the first three parts. It turned out to be like 6,000 words. That's what happens when you get your senior SEO to write these things. Um, so he's going to break that down to three parts. And the first part may come out today, but it's definitely coming out in our newsletter tomorrow, which you can sign up on our website for. But uh, I have a hunch it's going to be on the blog first. Well, okay, and just to, to make that, sure um, our, our listeners that, have it, the, hmm? the well, website itself is... I noticed that Kawasaki likes the Step Forth blog. Wow, that was all jumbled up there. Say, say against uh, Jim. Well, I noticed Guy Kawasaki is listing the, is listing the Step Forth blog on, on one of his sites now. Um, congratulations. Oh. Thank you very much. Um, now, we're going to be running short on time. There's one topic I, I would love to get your guys' impression on. Uh, of course, algorithm shift happens often that's one of the you know banes of our existence at the same time it, it makes us you know it makes maintenance packages much more critical so it's a great thing too um keyword density used to be huge uh, now maybe a little bit less but obviously uh, you know the way the keywords appear on a page is going to be taken into account as the algorithms shift so the, the clients on maintenance they're ranking well algorithms are shifting especially on larger sites how do you address the keyword density. Do you try and chase the keyword density, and, and if not, how do you help sort of stabilize their rankings and secure their rankings if you're not going to be continuously going in and, and updating all the pages on their site? My opinion is that when we get that, we see that kind of a, like, let's say we've just heard an algorithm changes coming out. First of all, we don't tend to jump the gun. Unless it's a major upgrade, we know the particulars of it. We're going to wait a second, because all of our sites are, are so like Stepworth does a very clean optimization. So we're always just, we, we generally weather any algorithmic update. If we do see changes in some of our bigger clients or even our smaller clients, depending on, on the, the area, sometimes the bigger get hit, the smaller get hit first. So we actually monitor that and determine, you know, is it just a few, few positions dropped? Okay, if it's just a few, we generally know we can do a little bit of keyword density and we can get it back up. If it's big, we look at what it is about their site that may be triggering the issue. Um, and oftentimes, we don't know what the algorithmic change was. We just know the basics of it. I mean, it's a lot of conjecture at the time. Um, so we go through it. We do a bit of analysis. And then we go through all of our clients that have that same issue, once we figured it out, and apply that, the changes to their site so they don't even feel the hit. Yeah, for the most part, um, as Ross said, algorithm changes don't bother us at, at MetaMen too often because we have a very clean uh, optimization technique built on uh, providing the you know the most relevant page possible um, or the most relevant content possible. We've, um, for instance, the, the the recent Dewey update didn't uh, didn't affect us at all, um, although. SEOs over at Webmaster World were reporting chaos in the SERPs. We didn't really perceive that here. Um, I think Google and Yahoo have it down 
to such a science now that the most relevant content tends to place well. And you see a lot of bounce during the algo shift itself, but when everything mellows out, and it usually takes only a week or two weeks for things to mellow down again, um, the search results tend to be highly relevant, and that is beneficial to, I guess, to all three of our, our company's clients. True. True. And, I mean, uh, you know what, you bring up a good point, and I, I know we're running super short on time, but I just want to, want to jump in, and I'm sure I'll get agreement here that yeah, during an algorithm update is not the time. <laughs> uh, to run in, and, and you're right, we saw a lot of chaos during the, the Dewey update uh, among a few of the clients that were bouncing around. And then in the end, after the update was done, things had shuffled like a couple positions. <laughs> they were jumping pages during the update, and then... Uh, you know, One outcome of the update I've noticed is Wikipedia entries seem to be lowered in Google rankings under a number of terms where they were number one at one point. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, thank God, eh? Nothing against Wikipedia, but um, <laughs> they didn't need number one spot under like everything. Oh, no, that's we'll set up with that. A very good point. Okay, you know what? We're getting message from the booth. Um, they want us to uh, wrap up pretty soon. We've, uh, yeah, we've uh, run way over time again, Dave. We we did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say um, hi to me and uh, to Denny and Derek. Some guys uh, listening in, some friends of mine, so thank you for listening in. <laughs> well, Ross, <laughs> wonderful. thank you so much for taking time to be with us on Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It's always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Take care, guys. Friends, you've been listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. This is uh, Jim Hedger from metamen.com and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Dash Inc. We were joined by Ross Dunn from stepforth.com. Um, and this was the last in our official series, the 10 points, the 10 basic points of SEO. Um, we're probably going to be doing another series in the future, but I think we might rest for a couple of weeks, uh, just do general shows, and then come back with another series. What do you think, Dave? I think, uh, I think uh, a bit of a rest. Maybe we can spend a little more time on news, uh, and I think it's a great idea. I look forward to another series. Well, I really want to do a show on uh, webmaster security. I've been speaking with Panda with Panda Software uh, security experts uh, frequently over the last couple of weeks, and they got some terrifying stuff to report that would I think make excellent radio and probably help people a great deal. Um, okay, and and we're not closing. Okay, no, but we are closing the series, and I'm afraid we are closing the show uh, for this week. We'll be back next week on Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks to our thanks to the studio in Brasco. Um, folks, check out the series at WebProNews.com and their expert article series, and um, join us next week here on Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. <laughs>